Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here today because God's word is going to build you up to do what he has called you to do. And most importantly, to be the person that he has called you to be. Praise God. Now today, let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And we're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings. And I want to read a scripture to you in just a moment. But while we're turning to 1 Samuel chapter 2, let's talk about the tithe just for a moment. The tithe is 10% of all of your increase. So if you get your paycheck, 10%, the Lord says that belongs to him. If you are blessed and suddenly out of the blue, you receive a large family inheritance of a hundred million dollars. The Lord says 10% belongs to me. So the tithe basically means 10% and it's 10% of all the increase that would come into your life. Now here's a good question. And I was thinking about this question this week. I've been asked this before and people sometimes ask, the question, Pastor Stephen, should I tithe off the gross or off of the net? And you know what I mean by that? Because when you work all week long, let's say you work a week, and for a random example, let's just say that you made $1,000 that week. Although you made $1,000 when you get your paycheck, your paycheck is not $1,000. Why? Well, the first thing that happens is that the government takes their money out. They're going to take their federal taxes out and they're going to take their portion. Notice they take it off the gross. So they're taking their tax out. And then the state comes along and the state says, Oh, uh, we have roads to pave and uh, we have parks to build and we have other projects. So we're going to take the state tax out and thus you have the state and the federal government pulling their taxes out. Now, sometimes there's even uh, a third element of something that could be taken out uh, that's claimed for also. And so, okay, that's gone as well. So for example, let's say again, your check was a thousand, excuse me, you earned a thousand dollars, but by the time taxes are taken out, you might be looking at $700 maybe 750 taxes are different for different countries around the world. But you understand that the reason that your check is not a thousand dollars is because taxes are taken out. So here's a question that I would like to present that the question itself, I believe would help to answer. Should I tithe off the gross or off of the net? So here's my question. Why is it? that so many believers have absolutely no problem or no issue with the government taking money out of the gross and the state taking their percentage out of the gross. But when it comes to God, why did they take his tithe off the net? Notice the government's not pulling from the net, the government and the state they're pulling from the gross. So why do we view that as being okay? But then when, uh, you know, a preacher would say, well, we should tithe off the gross people recoil. 
with terror. Like, oh, oh, why would we do that when we don't get the gross? We only get the net. We should tithe off the net. That shows that a person is willing to give more honor to the government and to the state than they are to God. So to the government and state, we let them pull from the gross, but for God, we only take it off the net. Well, these are some of these heart issues that we have to look at when it concerns prosperity, because prosperity is a package deal. Remember, you're not dealing with a cold hearted banker who sits on a throne up in heaven, smoking a big, long cigar, crunching numbers, and just judging everything by the numbers per se. No, you're not dealing with a banker. You're dealing with a heavenly father. And your heavenly father is the great God, Jehovah. And the truth is, is that every dollar in your pocket originated from God. Every bit of financial provision that you have, all that you have, whatever it would be, it all comes from God. So why would we tithe off the net knowing that God deserves the greatest honor. Praise the Lord. And thus we find ourselves now in first Samuel chapter two, verse 30. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says far be it from me. Now watch this very carefully for those who honor me, I will honor and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now, everybody loves sweet Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus, the savior, but there is another part of Jesus that is just as real as the sweet part. And that's the part when it comes to dealing with honor. So I want to share a shocking truth about the character of the Lord God almighty. He will treat you the same way you treat him. In other words, God will not bless you more than what your desire is to promote his kingdom and to promote his interest. In other words, the Lord says, if you'll honor me and put me first, I'll honor you. If you lift me up, I'll lift you up. And if you promote me and my kingdom cause that I will promote you and I'll have your interest at heart and I'll see to it that all of these things that the world runs after and craves for that these things will just work their way effortlessly, effortlessly into your life because you honor me. But my friends, if we put other systems or other structures or other forms before the Lord and actually show them more respect and honor than we do God, then that's why some of these things still aren't working right. You can still give, you can still, you could even tithe, but God is looking at heart issues. The Lord demands that he be first and that we do not show more honor to a, to a system or state or government than what we would ever show to the God who saved us and gave his life for us. So in context of this, look at Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, honor the Lord with your possessions 
and with the first fruits of all your increase. The tithe is not something that should be given to the Lord last. The tithe is something that just as immediately as you have it, and the money is in your possession. You immediately take the tithe and you get it over to the storehouse, your source of spiritual nourishment and teaching. You get it to where you're, you're being fed from. And that's what you do with the tithe. And it must be done first, not last, because oftentimes when it's done second, third, fourth, or fifth, it'll end up being in a place where then people say, well, I don't have enough money to tithe. Well, that's why you don't have enough money. And there's going to be a perpetual struggle because you're not honoring the Lord. And God sees all of that. And he said, if you honor me, I'll honor you. If you don't honor me and you despise me, and God knows what that despising type treatment is. He knows the kind of actions that denote that he's being despised and he's not being honored the same way. Then he'll treat that person the same exact way. Wow. So. This is not some kind of uh, philanthropy where we're just giving to, you know, just, you know, just to give something. No, this is not some kind of cold hearted act. No, this is a spiritual transaction with a loving heavenly father. And we must honor the Lord in our tithing and our giving. And of course, when we do it by putting the Lord first and we tithe off the gross verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Praise the Lord. <laughs> My friends, I want to say it again. There's nothing in your pocket that didn't come from God in the first place. So just go ahead and honor the Lord and say, Lord, I'm happy to give it to you. I'm not going to try to, uh, you know, shave off uh, you know, the little bit of the difference between the gross and the tithe. I'm just going to go ahead and give you the gross because after all, everything I have came from you in the first place. And so Lord, I'm going to honor you. So the Lord sees these types of things. And sometimes you can be doing the right thing, but it's, it's, it's skewed perhaps in a certain area. Well, we make these adjustments and that's when things start working the way they're supposed to. That's when the barns begin to get filled up. That's when the vats begin to overflow. Praise God. So right now let's honor the Lord and bring him the tithe, the full tithe into the storehouse. And God's going to prove his goodness, his faithfulness to you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let us bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. If you would like to mail them in, please send your tithe and your offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. If you prefer to bring them in online, Perhaps you live on the other side of the world. Perhaps you live a long distance and you just want to bring it in online. You can do so anytime, day or night, from anywhere, literally, in the world. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. On the homepage, there's a link that has a red heart on it that says, Give. You can click that link and bring your tithes and offerings in right there. Pastor Stephen, should I bring the, the gross or should I bring the net? <laughs> no. You, you want the gross blessing. Hallelujah. You want to do always the honorable thing. So the Lord is working to bring us to these high standards of honor that are very, very serious with him. Praise God. Let's do it out of a good heart. 
Heavenly Father, bless your people as they honor you. You have given your word that you will honor them as they lift you above every other name. You have, you have told them that you will lift them up. Woo, Father, we give you praise for the lifting that's taking place even right now. You're making financial champions to, to, to shine forth the truths of your word that they work in all seasons of life. We give you praise and we thank you, O oh God. We thank you for allowing us to be par a part of your great kingdom venture in the earth. We give you praise in Jesus' name. We all agree and say amen. Praise the Lord. I tell you, sometimes it's just fixing the little things. The, uh, the, the scriptures say, catch the little foxes that are spoiling the vines. So sometimes it's not a big major thing, but it can just be a little tweak from the net to the gross. These are types of things that the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, uh, works in our lives. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles today and go to a very famous chapter in the Bible, Isaiah chapter 40, as we now jump into today's message. Isaiah 40, we're going to start today in verse 29. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we're going into your word, let your word have full access into us. Let it come into us, bringing the truth and the light that it carries so that we know what to do in every situation. Now we give you praise. We thank you in Jesus name. We all agree and say, amen. Hallelujah. Now we're in Isaiah chapter 40 and we're going down now to verse 29. It says that the Lord, it says that he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Now, first of all, let me say that there is nothing wrong with being weak, and there is nothing wrong with uh, being in a position where you don't have the might. My friends, we need God. We were not designed to go through life in our own ability or in our own strength. And the Lord really teaches these lessons through life experience. And that's why you see a person like Peter, who with all of his strength and all of his manhood and all of his knowledge of having been a fisherman for many, many years, yet found them in a situation, found himself there where he had fished all night and caught nothing. That's very frustrating. And not only is it frustrating, but you have to go home and explain to your wife, Hey, I didn't catch anything. What does that mean? You didn't make any money. And uh, you've got other guys working with you, and they've got uh, families also to feed. And so these things hit. These things hit, and you can be so strong. But my, my friends, this, this is something that God wants us to understand. We need His help. So there's nothing wrong with realizing God there's a lot of weaknesses in my life. God, I'm, I'm just a human being. I can't jump over tall buildings. God, uh, the, the Marvel comics and all the superhero comics and the movies, it's all fake. It's, it's make-believe. It's a fantasy world. <laughs> God, we need your help. Woo, praise the Lord. And the scripture says that he gives power to the weak. Now, that's what we need. We need his power. 
and to those who have no might, he increases strength. So God's going to do his part, and that's what we want to tie into is God's power and his strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Well, my friends, when you're 18 and when you're 20 or 22, and some of you are in that age category that watch and listen to my messages, you do have stamina. You do have strength. You can, you can go play tennis all day. And then at nighttime, you think that was fun. I'll go swim at the, at the pool all night. And then the next day you're not even sore. And the next day you think I'll go play some basketball and you go out and you play for two hours and run up and down the court and you just drink a little Gatorade and you just go and go and go and go. But you know what? There is a different type of strength that God brings to his people that even if you have all of that physical vigor, there is still an energy that can come from God that even if you're later in life and you don't have that same level of, uh, of endurance or muscular strength, yet God can still energize you to get done what you need to do and to have that freshness always resting upon your life. Hallelujah. Now, verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, I'm not going to try to reteach a scripture that has been taught from various pulpits all around the world with uh, many uh, classic teachings on this verse. All I'm here to do today is to simply say is that while we can rejoice over this scripture and we can delight uh, in uh, buying pictures of eagles and putting them on our wall and even having this scripture on the picture, the reality is, is that it can be a real challenge to slow ourselves down and actually wait on the Lord. But my friends, you're going to have to find a way to do it. Praise God. Why, Pastor Stephen? Because this still is the old-fashioned proven principle to receive the supernatural strength that you need in the day in which we are living. Praise God. And God is able to dispense it, and the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth so that the Lord can find someone that he can show himself strong to. And those eyes are roving, and they usually stop on the person that is waiting on the Lord. Why? The person that is waiting is therefore qualified to receive the promises of that scripture. Praise the Lord. So I want to encourage you to get back if you have drifted from that. And let me say this. Uh, life, the life experience is very similar to the tides of the ocean. As many know that would go to the ocean, the coast guards or just the locals will tell you, you know, uh, every part of every beach uh, somewhere will have areas of dangerous riptides and currents that can pull you out. And you can be having a fun time hanging on to an inner tube or hanging on to some form of a float. And the next thing you know, uh, if you're not careful and observant, you can be 40 yards from the shore 
And if you don't do something about it, you're going to be 100 yards. And there are some currents that won't just take you sideways. They'll, they'll take you out. <laughs> and that's not good. <laughs> Especially if the sun starts going down and you're out in the middle of the water. Suddenly you find yourself, you know, a quarter of a mile or half a mile away from the ocean. Now people can't, or, or from the shore, now people can't hear you or see you. My friends, it's, it's like that in life. You can be at a place where you're walking with the Lord, but if you're not constantly going back to that time of waiting on the Lord, you can start the drift and the drifting from the spirit walk to being in a place where you're not in that anymore can go very, very quick, faster than any riptide at the ocean. It really is a day to day responsibility. You can't live on stale bread or stale messages. Jesus said, we're not designed to live by bread alone, but by the living word that comes out of God's mouth. Praise God. Mm-mm. And as you're there daily waiting on the Lord, the strength comes, the energy comes, praise God. And everything that you need, including also power that comes as well. Power. Uh, let me just give you an example from the area of what they would call sports science, uh, which is high level fitness training that the pros get into, or that uh, usually you would start encountering uh, encountering at a collegiate level if you want to go pro. Although some very well run high school sport teams, they start tapping into it. And getting their young men and women into it while, while they're still teenagers in their upper teenage years. But there's a difference between power and strength. Power is primarily explosive ability. Strength is more of an endurance type ability. When they take players into the NFL and they're, they're pretty sure they're going to draft somebody in. They want that athlete to come through a combine so they can measure what? Strength. They have ways to measure power. They'll measure strength differently. They'll take the athlete over to the bench press, and they don't want to see your max bench press, which may be 500 pounds or 430. They want to see how many repetitions can you do with the weight of 225 pounds. So already, that's a weight that most guys can't uh, lift but they want to see how many repetitions that you can do. And you start getting up to around 20 or 22. That's NFL caliber, uh, you know, uh, quality that they're looking for. And the big guys like linemen and, uh, you know, defensive linemen or offensive linemen, they're going to be up around 40 reps, uh, if not even higher. I think the, I think the record is 73 reps. That's just amazing. That, what is that? That's strength. But power is different. Power is more of a boom, quick, explosive type ability. Oh, so now for that, we have the 40-yard uh, 40 dash. They want to see your power. And you, if you have the ability to combine power and strength with speed, now you have something very, very unique. My friends, the Lord wants to give you all of those things. And he wants you to be waiting upon him so that you are equipped for whatever you may encounter. Now, this is very, very important because we are on a spiritual time clock. Nobody really knows the exact day when this next move of God's spirit is going to begin to flow, but we're getting the little trickle through already. 
Hallelujah. And the Lord has spoken to me about it. And we must really be at the front of what God is going to do because there are going to be uh, many that are going to encounter this glory in a fresh new way. Some will step into it and go on with God. Others will realize it's true. They will realize it's of God, but for various reasons, whatever, there will be some that will pull back and not enter in. Those that do not go on with the Lord will have areas of darkness that will begin to move into their life. And you might not even recognize those people 10 years from now concerning uh, their Christian faith. But we must go on with the Lord. I'm not talking about going away from truth. We will always walk in the truth. But the Lord is about to do some glorious things. And we want to be positioned for that. Not even trying to catch up, but running at our best, walking in that strength, praise God. Or we could even say flying. Hallelujah. And once again, that comes back to waiting on the Lord. That basically means spending time with God. There is a place many times where you actually get past supplication, which is the praying of prayers of making certain types of requests. And there's even a place you can get past intercession. Intercession is different than supplication. Intercession is standing in the gap for somebody else and you are praying for them because either they're not, they're not able to pray for themselves. Maybe they're sick or maybe they don't know the Lord. So you're going to stand in the gap for them and you're going to intercede for them. And oftentimes that's what we do when we pray for our president, when we pray for our national leaders, our governor or whatever it might be, we are interceding, standing in the gap for them because in some cases they may be spiritually dead they may not even know God, and so we want to pray for them that they, not, they, make, they will not do anything detrimental to the nation. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on to the Gospel of Mark. Praise the Lord. The Gospel of Mark, we're going to the first chapter, and we're going to drop down to verse 35. Some of these messages or some of these things I'm sharing today, I have taught all over the world in different meetings and in different conferences. But because of the weightiness of the potential of this year and the release of God's glory this year and the release of the wealth of the sinner into the hands of the righteous this year, we must really be on the front lines. Praise God. This is not a time to be spiritually asleep, but this is a time to really be ready, as we would say, to meet our God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Well, here we have an insight into the, we could even call it secret, devotional life of Jesus. And it is a devotional life, or it is a template that we also can pattern our lives after with a promise. There is a promise associated with this. We'll talk about the promise in just a moment. But my friends, if you're willing to do this and emulate the Lord Jesus Christ, having risen a long while before daylight, 
Okay, so let's talk about this for a moment. If we do this, we're going to get into a special blessing, a special promise. Well, notice that it does not say exactly what time he got up in the morning. We understand that they did not have digital clocks. They did not have automatic watches. They did not have quartz watches. Yes, they did not have those types of items. Uh, but still, they had a sense of the various night watches, the various time frames that would be, they'd have, they had the, uh, the Hebrew night watches and they had the Roman night watches, two different systems. So they knew when midnight was. They had a good understanding of when it was three o'clock in the morning and when it was four o'clock in the morning. So it doesn't say exactly when the Lord got up, but it does give an indicator that it was quite a long while before the sun ever came up. Now in the morning, having risen, notice it says risen, Jesus did not pray in bed. How many of you have found out that that theory of praying in bed doesn't work? Why? You'll fall back to sleep. Something happens, not so much because you go sit somewhere else, something happens because you get up and move, and that little bit of movement from getting out of the bed to perhaps going to the coffee machine or going over to another room where there's a, a, a couch or a comfortable chair that, that is your preferred place to sit and wait on the Lord at, something happens with that little bit of movement. Okay? So it's that little bit of movement that does something to spark within your body some chemical juices that are just enough to keep you going and to get you awake and start to be in a place now where you can pray. What happens? You wake up. If you lay there in the bed, you'll never wake up. So we must rise like the Lord did. Having risen a long while before daylight. I don't know how long a while a long while is. I really haven't examined that phrase in the Greek, but I would suggest that it's not 10 minutes. You know, it's not like he got up 10 minutes before the sun came up. It could have been an hour. I would suspect it was well over an hour, could have been two hours. We're not told. Uh, and the Holy Spirit does things like this through the writers of the Bible, through divine inspiration, so that we don't get into legalism. In other words, you don't have to do it exactly the same. God is able to work with your personality. He's able to work with your body time clock. He knows whether you work a night job or you work a day job. He'll work with you in any way that you're willing to merge into this. But for those of you that work a typical day type job, here's a good template. Here's a good blueprint for success in life and walking in power and anointing. Get up early. Get up out of bed a long time before the sun ever comes up and do what? It says he went out more movement, more movement. He went out and departed to a solitary place, a quiet place, because you can be in New York city three o'clock in the morning. As you know, there's still stuff going on. You can be in LA four o'clock in the morning. There is not as much, but there's still stuff going on. So you want to have a solitary place. And there he did what? There he checked his emails. No. Did he check text messages? No. Well, Pastor Steve, they didn't have that back then. No. But within every generation, there's always something that you could do besides doing what would be the optimum choice, which is to pray. And there he prayed. Now, 
course, for you and I, when we get up, yes, if you're like me, I'm using my phone to wake up. So if you have your phone there, sure, there's probably emails. Maybe while you were sleeping, new things have come through. But you know what? Here again is the challenge. If we will step into this and wait on the Lord and pray, pray and wait on the Lord, spend time with God. Hallelujah. And don't let these other gadgets and distractions pull your focus away for what you're there to do. Woo. Which is what? To pray. Mm-mm. If you'll do that, then you're going to start stepping in into some very special things this year. Now, I want to share this because I think in my heart that there are some that have drifted and there are some that are hearing me for the first time. And all of this is brand new. There are some of you, you've never even looked at this scripture and you've never noticed the devotional life of Jesus before. Well, this is what we're talking about. Praise God. Amen. Why? So we can also enjoy success and victory in life. Jesus had a powerful ministry. Jesus, we could say, had a successful ministry. Jesus was overcoming the things that the enemy was throwing at him. But when we look at his life, when we look at the way that he prepared himself, then we can also step into the same thing and what? Experience the same results. Praise God. Verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Why? They woke up later and he's not there. They woke up later and they didn't know where he went to. Why? Well, this is Mark chapter one. This is the beginning of this gospel. And so they are just learning about the ministry of the Lord. They are just learning about the anointing and how the Holy Spirit works through the Messiah, Jesus. So a lot of this is brand new to them, and they're getting exposure as to how he does it. So they wake up normal, and he's not even there. And they're looking all over for him. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. But all of this is learning instruction for them. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Maybe they thought he went to the bagel store. After all, the bagel store opens really early because you've got to get up real early to get the bread to rise and bake and, you know, put all the, the sprinklings on it. Maybe he went to go get us a bag of a baker's dozen, 13 bagels. Mm-mm. Well, no, that's not where he's at. Although bagels are wonderful for breakfast. Verse 37, when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Jesus, we thought you went to the bagel shop, uh, you know, and, and others thought, well, maybe he went out to get the early edition of the paper and he'll be back with it. And he'll tell us all the news that's going on. No, he's been out praying. And now, of course, Jesus is ready to go. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose, I have come forth. Now, at that time, it's not time to pray at this time right now. It's time to go. Why? The day is up. And things are now in motion. Woo! And there are some things with God that if you don't get up and get it early, you won't be able to get it later. Praise the Lord. You know, in the, in the book, Song of Songs, sometimes called the Song of Solomon, we see the relation between spiritually portrayed Christ and the church. And we see about the roses, and we see about the early morning rising, 
These things are all prophetic in nature, but they're also expressed even in the natural realm. Because in the natural realm, if you want to gather roses because you want to extract the rose oil out of them for the perfume industry, the only time that you can collect them is super, super early in the morning. Why? Why? That's when the dew from the morning dew that falls or just appears, that's when the dew is all over the rose petals. And you have to collect them while the dew is still on the roses. If you wait until the sun comes up and it evaporates all the dew, the roses will not have the quality and you will not be able to get the quality oil out of those flowers that you're looking for. So what happens is when you get up early, like Jesus did, you are extracting the very best, the essence of the anointing, and you are receiving God's best for your life while the dew is still wet on the roses. Hallelujah. And then when the sun comes up, you're ready to go. Woo! Glory. Glory to God. Well, Pastor Stephen, what is that promise that's associated with doing all of this. It sounds good, but is there a little bit more that you can share with me that will convince me to jump in all the way? Okay, I'll do that right now. Here we go. Before we read it, let me just say this. I do not know what your career field is. Now, of course, some of you I do because I've talked to you, met you, communicated and so forth, but there's many others I, I don't know exactly perhaps what it is you do in life, but this is what will come your way if you practice verse 35 and 36. Verse 37 will come your way. And again, it says, when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Woo! Now, that is something that the Lord shared with me, that if a person is willing to walk in this, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 and th verse 36, if you're willing to walk in that, it may not happen overnight, but you will eventually come to a place where people are looking for you. Why? You're the one with the answers in your field. So regardless if it's uh, the ministry office of apostle prophet, you know, if you're doing what Jesus is doing, they're looking for him. Why? He has the anointing. He has the fresh uh, uh, rose uh, oil. Glory to God. And people are wanting that. They're wanting that anointing. They're wanting to come in contact with the power that is upon his life and ministry. Everyone's looking for you. And they'll also come looking for you too. Why? You have gotten really, really good at what God has called you to do. And you're not only good at it, you're anointed at it. Woo! You're anointed at it. And trust me, the anointing makes all the difference. When you are anointed at what you're called to do, um, you're untouchable in your area. Some others may be good too. But the anointing will always cause a distinction. And as we know, the anointing in Scripture can be increased. How do you increase it? Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to verse 36. Get up every morning, pray, wait on the Lord. You can complete your prayer time 
but yet the presence of God is there. Well, just because you've prayed all your, all your prayers doesn't mean that you need to exit that environment. Stay in that atmosphere and just worship the Lord. You may just want to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. You may get into a place where the atmosphere is so sacred, so holy, that you don't even say anything. You just sit there in that atmosphere. You sit there in the glory. Mm, mm, mm. Praise God. And then you go out. Then you go out. Once that lifts, or if you get to a place where your time is complete, you step out of that. And then they're looking. You come on, you come on the scene. You come on your job. You show up. They're looking for you. Why? They need you to do what you do in the special way that you do it. Woo! Praise God. That is the promise that's associated with practicing the devotional type style of, of ministry of life that Jesus had, which produced that mighty ministry. Praise God. Now, my friends, I would say that in many ways we are looking at essentials here. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now I understand that if you, let's say you had a plane trip and you didn't get home until three o'clock in the morning. Uh, God's not a hard taskmaster. He's not, he's not even a taskmaster at all. It's not like God's going to say, well, you got home at three, but I expect you to be in that chair at five. Well, only if there were some supernatural grace released, are you going to be in that chair at five o'clock? Because you and I, we're not bionic. We're not superhuman. We are going to need some sleep. But I would say that as much as the schedule runs on its normal routine, endeavor to be there. Meet God there because God is excited about meeting you there. Set a time and say, this is the time that I rise. And this is the time that I go and meet with the Lord. This is the time that I gather the hidden manna. This is the time that I extract the oil from the roses. Praise God. Mm -mm. And of course, so much of this is done in darkness. Mm -mm. Why? The sun's not up yet. Mm -mm. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's go to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50. Praise the Lord today. We're going to go now to verse 4. Verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. My friends, that, that is a type of an anointing that anybody can walk in, where you have a sensitivity to be able to recognize that person's having a really hard day. When you have the sensitivity to realize that person appears to be in sorrow. Well, maybe their spouse just died. Maybe they were married for 50 years and that person just passed away a few days ago, and they're sitting there, and you don't know them, but you sense something's grieving that person. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. And my friends, there's a lot of weary people around, and the Holy Spirit can give you that word, especially to Christians, to speak into their life a word that will put fresh oil back into them that will give them fresh hope and fresh encouragement to get up and get going. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
He awakens me morning by morning. Now notice that this whole context of this teaching session of God teaching his disciple of learning the things of God, it centers around continuity. It's like going to the gym. If you only go once a week, you're not going to notice any type of gains. If you want to learn piano, you can't just sit before the piano once or twice a week. That's not enough. You have to give it more attention to that. So he awakens me. How? Morning by morning. So notice the continual showing up that is required in order for the ears to be opened. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Let me say there is a world of difference between knowing intellectual information about the Bible, which of course is good, but there is a world of difference between knowing facts and figures and information as compared to somebody that really knows God that you can sit down to and ask questions about God, the things of God, the ways of God, and they have viable answers that, that answer your questions. Woo. And that's what the world's looking for. Mm -mm. Praise God. That's what hungry believers are looking for. And I believe that you're destined to be that person to supply these types of answers to hear is to learned. The Lord God has opened my ear. Now there have been some who have taught from this verse and they have said, now this de denotes the old Testament forms of slavery, where if the person wanted to stay on forever with their master, then the master would take him over to a post and he would take a, a nail and a hammer and he would poke a hole through the ear and that would be an opening of the ear and that would denote that that person is my slave forever because they want to be with me forever because I take such great care of them. They don't want to go anywhere else or do anything else. Uh, in this context, this is not what this is referring to. Of course, there are other scriptures that reference that, but this is different. The Lord God has opened my ear. The word opened here in the Hebrew is referring more to what we would call an excavation, the digging out. And this is actually when it's referring to excavating, it even has a, an overshadowing of referring to the excavation of dirt. And anytime you're looking at old Testament symbolism, dirt would be a representation of the works of the flesh. So when you get up every morning, Morning by morning, that's the key, morning by morning, and you're consistent. What happens? Well, God starts to open up your ears. He starts to excavate your ears, and you begin to get past just the natural world, and you begin to get way past the carnality of the world, and even the carnality that would try to keep creeping to the church, or that would even try to creep into your life, and God digs all the dirt out, woo, and gets you over into the Spirit. Praise God. And your ears become opened to what? Wow. This is, this is amazing. What do your ears become open to hear? God's plan for your life. God's will for your life. Watch this. 
God's assignment for your life. And you can't skip this part. Also the associated cross that will always go along with it. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And we see that here. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. Oh, so again, we have, we have the understanding in this context. This is a messianic chapter referring to the Messiah and his understanding of what he was going to go through. And he realized all of that with this prayer life as he grew as a young child, as he grew as a young man, and as he would wait on the Lord, and as, as his ears were, were opened, he knew his purpose, his assignment, and he also knew the associated cost and the cross that he would carry. But he was not rebellious. And I was not rebellious. Opened ears lead to a surrendered life. Stopped up ears lead to a rebellious life. Now I'm, I'm talking in context of Christian. And when I'm talking about rebellion for a Christian, I'm not talking about uh, a Christian that's just running away from God saying, God, I don't want anything to do with you. No. So often this type of rebellion is expressed through a desire for a person to do their own thing and to hold to their own way, even if it's taking them in a direction that God does not want them to go. But here it says, the Lord God has opened my ear. Whose ear? In context, the Messiah. So this is referring to Jesus. Jesus had his ears open. So if he had his, his ears open, why would we think that we don't need to have ours opened as well? Especially with all the junk that the world system would try to pour upon us. Wow. I tell you what, we need these times of opening up that take place morning by morning. Woo. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. Again, opened ears lead to a surrendered life. And that's who I'm talking to today. I can feel it in my spirit. Those that, that God's been working on your ears. There's been excavation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And of course, when you know you're not rebellious, nor did I turn away. What did he find out when his ears were open? What did he realize? I gave my back to those who struck me. Oh, so they're going to scourge your back. Yes. He knew that was coming before it ever happened. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. Do you realize when Jesus was going through the pre-crucifixion experience while he was getting punched in the face and they, they put the crown of thorns upon his head. And you also have to realize they didn't like just shape a real beautiful crown. They basically just took the bush because these are rough men. They're not kind of like trying to put together a real pretty woven crown. They just basically got the, the thorn bush and just rammed it down over his whole head. Yes, he was bleeding profusely all around, but uh, also it was poking down, not just on the crown area, but the center everywhere. Excruciating pain. Excruciating pain. But they also were ripping out chunks of his beard. Woo! And he knew that was going to happen. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Now that doesn't mean that somebody is going to spit on you or do something, something physically abusive to you. But I will say this, that 
with the 100-fold return, there will be, not might be, there will be persecutions. But go on with the Lord. Pastor Stephen, I want to have that courage. Then get your ears opened and spend time with God every day, morning by morning. Mm-mm. Because with open ears, you behold the glory of the Lord. You behold the divine design and plan of God's will for your life. And you realize that's God's best for my life. I don't want anything else. I don't even want a plan B. Plan B is not even an option. I want God's best. Woo! Hallelujah! And Jesus said, that's the way I'm going, even when this is what it means. Praise God. So it's the opening of our ears that lead to a surrendered life. That is why we must have very, very strong devotional lives. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what we're talking about with these opened ears and the ability, I would say, to clearly hear from God. I'm not just talking about the prophet's office. There's five ministry offices, the, the apostle prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And in many ways, it's the prophet's ministry that is known for having that keen ability to hear from the Lord. The apostle's ministry would be more of a power ministry. But my friends, we have to, we have to be able to hear very clearly. It doesn't mean that you're a prophet, because that's a, that's a ministry office calling. But you can be prophetic and you can have opened ears because even with prophetic gifts, even with gifts that would center around the office of the prophet, number one, of course, would be prophecy. And then you would need two of the three revelation gifts operating as well, uh, which would be word of wisdom, word of knowledge, or discerning of spirits. Praise God. But even still, let us never forget that the ministry, uh, excuse me, the spiritual gifts, there's nine of them. Out of the spiritual gifts, they're all, they're all grace gifts. They are the charismata, the charismatic gifts, but they are still gifts. So they are grace gifts. And you can operate in gifts such as word of knowledge, but at the same time, not really have your ears opened concerning what God has for you. So you can give a word of knowledge to somebody else. You could prophesy to somebody else, but at the same time, because you're not really spending time with the Lord because the gifts operate by grace. But if you're just on the grace level alone, your ears may not be excavated so that you can embrace fully what God has for you. And because of that, that is the area where we can personally run into trouble. If we are not just, operating the gifts alone, but we must also have the ears excavated. And yes, 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 we certainly want the gifts. Woo! Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Very briefly, let's take a look just for a moment in the life of Jonah. Jonah, a man that was a prophet, that could prophesy, but remember again, even a ministry calling is a, is a gift from God. Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus, upon his ascension, gave gifts to men. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It's a gift. And it, the, the calling is a grace calling into that ministry office. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And the gifts of the Spirit, those are also grace gifts that the Holy Spirit gives out individually as he wills. 
Woo! Praise God. But the open ears anybody can have. Open ears anybody can have. So you can be a prophet like Jonah and have your own book in the Bible. Wow. And prophesy. But yet, if you don't do the digging personally, you can run into what I would call a come to Jesus type moment. Oh, and I'm not talking about an unbeliever. I'm talking about a believer. I'm talking about somebody that knows God. If you don't get the dirt out, you can have a come to Jesus moment. Well, Pastor Stephen, a come to Jesus moment is for the lost to get saved. Yep. And you can have another one after that. If you don't, if you don't walk with the Lord and keep the ears open. And Jonah certainly had one. Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. See, the word of the Lord came to him. He could hear the word of the Lord for others. And it's an instruction for him, but it's an assignment, right? So he could hear from God. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from, from, from the presence of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Where in the world can you go to get away from the presence of the Lord? Have you ever stopped to think that the whole planet is God's? Pastor Stephen, I'm going to move to a different country. I don't want to obey God. Well, God owns that country too. God owns that land. He owns the whole planet. He owns all the lakes, all the remote islands. He owns those if you go out there. And if you get in a spaceship and you go to Mars, He owns Mars. He owns Jupiter. He owns all the stars. There's nowhere you can go that God doesn't own. It's all His, and His presence is everywhere. I'm going to go down into a cave. He owns the cave. He'll meet you in the cave. Mm -mm. Prophetic gift, yes. Ears open, not not personally. <laughs> Too much dirt. And if there's dirt, you're not going to be surrendered when God says, go do this. Woo! I'm telling you right now, the Lord told me, that there's coming sometimes this year, there, there's going to be different appointments for different people where if you don't get the ears open, there are going to be some that are going to have a one-on-one -on -one come to Jesus moment. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that sounds good. Mm, no, no, th this is not the kind of moment. You don't, you don't want that kind of moment. <laughs> oh, and you can try to run away from it. But if you don't deal with certain things, we are running out of time. And when you run out of time, especially if a whole city, if a whole city's Salvation is dependent upon your obedience. God knows how to tighten the screws. God knows how to put the pressure on. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, I, all, the only Jesus I know is the sweet Jesus. There are some that if they don't get with it, they're going to have a come to Jesus moment. They're going to see the other side of Jesus. We're not just the Savior side. They're going to see the Lord's side. Mm -mm. He's Savior, but He also demands that He be Lord. We are running on a tight 
time schedule. Mm. Mm. There are windows uh, uh, that are open uh, that we must go through. When we go through them, they close. And after they close, you cannot go back. Mm. So he gets on the ship. He goes the other way. He's like, I'm not doing this. And you can't act like you didn't hear from God. Well, Pastor Steve and I, you know, no, 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 no. You know when God speaks to you and it's for real. You know when it's for real. <laughs> Woo! So, so Jonah is about to have a, a come to Jesus moment. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now look, when God got to deal with his people, Things aren't going the way they're supposed to. God's got to deal with his people. Even in the book of Joel, he gathers his army. Oh, what army was that, Pastor Stephen? Locust? Locust. He can gather any kind of army. He can gather anything. He can gather any type of opposition. Oh, Pastor Stephen, uh, uh, the devil has risen up against me. No, that's not the devil. That's God. Pastor Stephen, we're having a storm. I wonder why. Mm, mm, mm. Woo. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. What's God going to do? He's going to crack this nut. Oh, that's a hard nut. Pastor Stephen. Oh, God's real good. God's real good at cracking real, real hard nuts, <laughs> real stubborn people. God, I'm talking about believers. God has a way when stuff is riding on this, this, this is the only prophet he's got qualified to do this. This is the only one. There's a whole city waiting on him over a hundred thousand people. Jonah, you're not getting out of this one. There is a time and place in the life of some believers where God says, look, I gave you a pass earlier when you were younger with me. I let you slide on this or that when you were younger with me, but that's all over. You have run out of time. You're at the crossroads right now, and I'm bringing you to that crossroads, and we're going to get this decided today. And Jonah, I'm bringing you into the belly of a whale. Now, you can make up your mind, but I'm going to make it so miserable for you that I'm going to get you to do this. And God's a really, really good persuader. Pastor Stephen, I've never met that side of God before. I have, and it's very, very real. I did not end up in the belly of a well, but I ended up with, in a situation. I said, oh, oh, Lord, uh, you know, Lord, I, I didn't want to do this before, but uh, Lord, uh, situations have changed my mind. Oh, did it ever change my mind? Mm -hmm. And I think it had the same result for Jonah. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. Wow. Well, it was just recently he was on a cruise and he was eating grapes and caviar. And then he went for a long, long nap because he didn't want to think about that, that word that God said to him and he's asleep. And now the next thing you know, he's been thrown overboard in the middle of a storm. And now he's in the belly of the whale and the whale just so happens to want to go all the way to the bottom of the ocean and hang out at the very core of the foundation, so to speak. I mean, the whales just hovering down out there at the bottom. Woo. Woo. What does Jonah decide to do? I, I, I don't think I like this. So he starts praying and he says, I cried out to the Lord because of my blessing. No, 
No, because Jesus has been so sweet to me. No, 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 because of my affliction. And he answered me. Yeah, he'll answer you when you're ready to get real. When you're ready to get real and say, Lord, I'm ready to go all the way with you. Not just, not, not just as a prophet like Jonah, but I'm ready. I'm ready not just, you know, prophesy this, that, the other. I'm ready to go to the Nineveh. I'm even ready to go to Nineveh if that's what you want of me. And in this case, that's what he wanted. Praise the Lord. So this is the type of season that we are coming into where we must be at this place. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to Jesus. I had, I had a day like this in my life almost, it's been almost 30 years ago, where the Holy Spirit fell on me one day, and I wept uncontrollably all day long. I wept and I wept. And I'm not talking like a little crying, a little tear. I was sobbing. Do you know when you sob for, for hours and hours and hours, like eight hours nonstop, do you know how fatigued you feel? Do you know how bad your belly aches when you're sobbing and sobbing for eight hours and you can't stop? Because the Holy Spirit was on me, and I was weeping, and I was weeping, and I was weeping. Why? I had so much dirt in my ears that I had finally come to a place where God was ready to do a major work in my life. And at, right at that moment, I was about to go the wrong direction. I was about to take a wrong turn. And the Holy Spirit was so grieved and the Holy Spirit knew that if I do this, there is no recovery. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean I can't go to heaven, but as far as the destiny that God had for me, if I had not gotten with it that day and made my decision that day, I would not be standing here today ministering to you and preaching the gospel around the world. I don't know where I would be or what I would be doing, but I do know that I would not be in the ministry. It all came down to one day and the Holy Spirit would not let me go. I wept and I wept and I cried and I cried for eight hours nonstop straight. <laughs> Until I got up and I said, God, I surrender. I can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And some of you have been like Peter. You still fish all night long. And even after not catching anything, you still won't surrender to God. But God has a way of bringing his Peters to a place where they just said, I can't, I can't take this anymore. And Jesus says, okay, you ready now? Yeah, I, I just give up. Okay, throw the net on the other side. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you do that, it starts working. It starts working. Some of you are too strong. You're too smart. You got it all planned out. You think you've got it all planned out. And God says it's dirt, dirt, dirt. And some of you, because of a refusal to surrender, if you don't quickly make that adjustment sometime this year, you're going to have a come to Jesus moment. And you don't want that. You don't want to get right on that line like that. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there was a great old prophet. He lived his life out. He's in heaven now. I learned a lot through his teachings, but he talked about the time where, you know, he was in ministry and his, you know, things went, went forward in ministry and he's learning the things of God and he got married and so forth. And he found himself where he and his wife were in a strange personal financial trial. The, the ministry was doing okay, but personally, uh, there, there was not enough money coming in and they got into a place where 
they did not have enough money personally. And so he thought, well, I could call, I could call so-and-so. They'll give me some money. And he was just about to go pick up the phone to call so-and-so and to tell the person their need. And uh, now he had already talked to the Lord. This man did sometime earlier where he said, God, I'll trust you. I know you'll take care of me. I'll trust you. But what he did personally. Now, when it comes to ministry needs, you need to tell others because you can't carry all of that on your own. So he would do that. But personally, that's between he and the Lord. So he had made that commitment, but for whatever, he's kind of like backing out of that now that the pressure is really on personally. So he's just thought, well, Lord, it's just one phone call and they'll help me out. And then I can go back and focus on the ministry. And the Lord said, you touch that phone. You touch that phone. I'm through dealing with you. I'm through. Woo. Woo. Pastor Stephen, I don't, I don't understand a God like that. He's the God of the Bible. And that minister said, he said, I, he said, God, I won't touch it. He said, I'm standing with you in faith. You're going to give, bring provision and something's going to happen. See, that was the problem with Saul. Saul got nervous and Samuel didn't show up uh, uh, at the uh, time that Saul thought he would be there. And Saul went ahead and made a sacrifice that he was not allowed or permitted to make. And of course, right after that, guess who shows up? Here comes, here comes Samuel now. Woo! And uh, Saul says, well, hey, I did the right thing. And uh, Samuel says, well, if you did the right thing, why am I hearing the bleeding of sheep? They're all supposed to be killed. And, uh, the, uh, you know, they were part of the... Um, Animals that were supposed to be sacrificed with the city that you just conquered. What's going on around here? So he's disobeyed God. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the Lord is very, he's very keen on these types of things. What I'm trying to say, there's some, God's trying to get you to a place. And he has a great future for you. Great things planned for you. And some of, there are a few. You're kind of like playing around still. You're still kind of playing around. And you don't realize the gravity of what you're writing on right here to go into some great things that will bring God great glory and be, of course, be a great blessing to you. But you're going to have to really, you're going to have to really get close to the Lord. Let those ears get opened. Woo. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I get, I get emails all the time of people that they, they treat major things like it's real light. Pastor Stephen, should I leave my country and come move over to America? Or should I move from here to there? Just like, you know, you're just kind of like, Hey, these are major decisions. You're just going to go do that, and you haven't even really prayed about it? You need to pray. Well, I, Pastor Steve, I don't know what to do. Then you haven't prayed enough. The ears have not been opened enough. Don't ever make major decisions unless you know that you know what to do. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time after he's been spit out on the beach saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach it. Preach it, the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went. Oh, yes, Lord. Woo. Lord, I've always wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Lord, I've never been so excited to do a revival meeting in my life. Woo. Changed man. Why? God knows how to put the pressure on. God knows how to get out of the man or woman what he wants out. Mm -hmm. Some people have been blaming the devil. Pastor Stephen, the devil's been holding me back. No, God's holding you back because you're not willing to commit to do or to become what he wants you to step into. 
Pastor Steve, I don't know if I want to. When your ears are open, you will. Even Jesus knew what he was supposed to step into. He saw the picture. It even included his back being scourged, his beard being yanked out. He's like, oh, that's okay. That's okay. Open ears equals surrender. I'm all, I'm all right with all of that. I'm all in on my assignment. Woo! Hallelujah. There could be someone, I wouldn't doubt it one bit, that's listening to me that with open ears, the Holy Spirit would even show you that you're destined to be a martyr. Oh, that, if that's your calling, you'd be excited about it. Mm -mm. If that is your calling with open ears, you would surrender and embrace it. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching today. If there's anybody getting on the ship, going to Tarshish, I pray they get off the ship and uh, catch a jet ski and get back in the direction where they're supposed to go as quick as they can. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. There are, I, I felt this was a weighty message today. There's destinies that could hang in the balance this year, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend upon complete surrender of what it takes to fulfill the assignment. And there's some, Lord, they're toying with it. Like they're not doing like Esau where they despise it, but they're not treating it with the glory, with the weight of the, of the kabod, the weight of the glory of what they're dealing with, because they don't realize how beautiful it is. So father, give them the clarity. Let grace be released to wait upon you, to become strong, to spend time with you, to have opened ears. Thank you, father, God, Thank you, Father God. Some of you, you've even heard wrong words. People, some of you, you've even had people prophesy negative things to you that it was not even the word of the Lord and it troubled your spirit. Why? Dirt was being thrown into your ears. I had a brother email me this week saying, so the two people prophesied this uh, certain word to him. I, I just like, that's just absolute rubbish. That's dirt. That is not, that is not the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And obviously it wasn't, it, it totally troubled the spirit in, 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 a, in, a, uh, in an unbelieving uh, negative way. Hallelujah. The, ver the very basic essence of prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Praise the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Now the, the higher levels of prophecy flowing out of the prophet's ministry will have more than just the basic levels. It will often have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning the spirits, etc., Praise God. And there, uh, there, could be, um, there could be words spoken that are very to the point, just like Agabus prophesying about Paul. Praise the Lord. But my friends, God's for you. If God is for you. Who can be against you? Step up and step into what God has for you. Praise the Lord. This is a critical year. This year is a positioning for the next decade. This year is a positioning for, the, for the, the remaining part of this decade. Glory to God. Glory to God. And you don't want to get to a place where you go somewhere and then that window closes. And then if you go back and repent, you can repent. But it doesn't mean that you can, you can catch that wave that God was wanting you to ride on. Why? The wave's already gone. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And there could be some. There could be some that uh, there's a lot more writing than just a wave. It's, it's like a destiny. So you're going to have to really be sensitive to this. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Father, we give you praise. You know, I, I think about prophet Kenneth Hagin 
He had a situation one time. He got off track. He was not being obedient to the Lord. What happened? He almost died. And the Lord said, if you don't straighten this up, you are going to die. You're going to come home prematurely with me. Mm. And the Lord said, if you hadn't fixed it, because he eventually fixed it, that area, he got it right. The Lord said, if you had not fixed this area in your life, you would have died at the age of 55. Woo! Think about that. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. One of the greatest ministers in Africa today, one of the greatest preachers in the world, was about to get into a car to go somewhere that God didn't want him to go. And the whole time, the Spirit of God was fighting him. Don't do this, don't do that. Nothing was working for him. And he kept pushing through it, pushing through it anyhow, pushing through it anyhow. And he only had one more thing to accomplish before he went to this place that he was never supposed to go. And right before he was going to get in the car, the Holy Spirit said, you get in that car, I'm through with you. I am through with you. And you'll, you'll, you'll die young. He stopped. He told his assistant, we're calling this whole thing off. I know everybody's expecting me to do this. People are pressuring me to do this. This is not of God. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Come on now, get those ears open. Heavenly Father, open the spiritual ears. Open the spiritual eyes. This is a year of destiny, and nothing's going to hold your people back. We're ready. We're ready. Hallelujah. I see the glory rainbow coming down from heaven. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. God's going to fight for you. Hallelujah. The rainbow, in a sense, is like a bow. Hallelujah. God's got arrows. Hallelujah. And he's going to, he's going to defend you. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And many of you, God's going to send you like an arrow. And God's been polishing the shaft because it's very important. The shaft not have any nicks because that will af affect the way that it flies through the air. God's got the feathers ready. This is your year to be launched. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. With open ears. Praise God. If you're watching today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it begins, the opening of your ears begins with a salvation experience. And this can be your day to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If you would like to do that and have your sins washed away and have His new life, pray right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner but you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your new life. Wash all of my sins away and write my name in your book of life. And I accept you right now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And my friend, the Lord has heard that prayer, and you now belong to Him. Praise the Lord. Now meet Him morning by morning in prayer. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to the Lord Jesus. Let's take Holy Communion today. Praise the Lord. You know, I'm reminded of the time that St. Joseph of Cupertino was serving Holy Communion to some visitors of the monastery. And they were men that had come that they did not have a walk with God, but they, they were interested in the things of God, but they, they still were trying to ride both sides of the fence and they were not committed. And so Joseph of Cupertino was asked to serve the communion 
And so he prayed over the communion elements, uh, the bread and the juice, becoming the flesh and the blood. And he tried to break the little wafer. And no matter how hard he tried to break the little wafer, he could not snap it in half. He could not break it. And he said, oh, your hearts are so hard in this place. <laughs> and when he prayed that prayer and when he said that, those men gave their heart to Christ and they got saved. And then, and only then was he able to break the flesh, break the wafer. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's take, let's take some bread. Let's take the juice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. No hard hearts. Hearts that are surrendered and given over to you. Father, bless the bread and the juice. We set it apart as holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. So, Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for no unnecessary well tales. We thank you for no unnecessary uh, uh, fruitless fishing adventures like Peter had multiple times. But we thank you, Father, for surrender to your will and your plan because it's your best for our lives. We thank you, Father, it was your best for Jonah to go to Nineveh. It was your best. Father, we embrace your, your best. We give you praise. We receive the flesh of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. The prophet Samuel told the children of Israel, I will not stop praying for you because to do so would be sin. My friends, a sinless, uh, a, a prayerless life leads to a, a life where sin begins to come in. But prayer will keep you from sin. Praise the Lord. If you've neglected your walk with the Lord and you've let that slide, we know that this world has riptides. This world has currents that can pull you out so fast, so quick, so far that it can be a struggle to get back. But in the spirit, you can get back in one moment with the Lord Jesus and you can begin walking real close with him again. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just say, Jesus, forgive me for drifting. I'm back. Thank you for your grace. Amen. And so, Father, we just give you praise. Let the blood of Jesus wash away all sin that it cleanse right now from all unrighteousness. And we bless you and we praise you for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. We thank you in Jesus. And we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us lift our hands to the Lord. In anticipation of the great glory that the Lord is going to release, remember, never touch the glory. It's His. Hallelujah. To give God the glory means to give God all the credit for it. Praise God. So, God, we give you all the credit for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for preparing us to surf the mega revival wave of your spirit that's coming. We thank you, O oh God, for joy unspeakable and lives that are full of your glory. Thank you, Father God. Let all things be done for your glory to draw people to you. Father, we give you praise. We thank you. We thank you for a great day in you 
And we thank you for a great week in you. And we ask, oh God, that this week you would teach as we wait upon you morning by morning. We thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. My friend, thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.